Remember that a while back, the convicted fraud in charlatan, Kunthoven, posted two replies to her debate that were labeled round three, even though he hadn't yet done a round two. And once I posted the seventh and final part of my round two, I gave him one month to concede several specific errors he needed to correct that were directly relevant to our debate. On January 7th, he finally did begin a reply to round two, but it starts with part two. I guess he forgot that he should have a part one first. He quickly followed that with a part three and said there that he didn't have any more scheduled for a while, but that he might do some later if he gets time. So the debate is never technically over since he said it might take several years, but it doesn't continue either, so that he never gets to any of the parts that he knows he can't possibly address. In a part of our debate that he doesn't ever want to get to, he would have to concede that evolution is not a religion because it doesn't meet any of the criteria of a religion, because it rejects faith and is not a belief system of any kind, but is an investigation and an objectively verifiable fact of population genetics and phylogeny that doesn't have anything to do with souls or any supposed afterlife and is not a threat to the fate of any Christians or any other religious people who understand and accept the science as it really is and don't misinterpret or misrepresent it like creationists always do. The speciation is part of macroevolution, as it is and always was defined by the evolutionary biologists who invented that word, which is why all the educational sources still teach that it is. So he got that all wrong all along. That macroevolution and microevolution together are both part of the same scientific theory of biodiversity, meaning that evolution is science because what it really is really can be objectively verified even under direct observation and experimentation that evolution is the only theory of biodiversity and that it is only biodiversity, not a compilation of every other scientific theory relating to the origin of life, the universe, and everything else like he keeps pretending. That evolution does not teach that we came from nothing because it is defined as descent with inherent genetic modification, which requires prior ancestors, just like the formation of life also requires a prior matrix. And for that reason, the evolutionary laws of biodiversity and monophyly do not allow for any change between kinds, or clades if you prefer, since there's no such thing as a kind anyway. And different species in the same genus may be able to hybridize sterile offspring, where different genera of the same family can no longer produce viable offspring without laboratory assistance. This shows how evolution increases biodiversity, but this could not be the case if there were created kinds bringing forth after their own kind, because they're obviously not bringing forth after their own kind anymore. So what even he admits that we actually do see in biodiversity supports evolution and disproves the concept of created kinds. That new genetic information is provided by mutations, according to textbooks in genetics and backed by experimental studies to prove the point. And because we can use the theory to predict what sort of fossils we'll find before we find them, then fossils fulfilling those predictions actually do count as evidence supporting the theory. The different cladistic categories or taxonomic classifications of life that prove that humans are apes and that birds are dinosaurs are determined objectively according to a suite of morphological, embryological, and molecular data without anyone having to draw any lines on any paper. That index fossils only provide relative dates, like this one is older or younger than that one, but that the ages of geologic strata as measured in a number of years really is absolutely dated radiometrically, that it is not the circular argument he wants to make it out to be. And although this one is his favorite lie, he's going to have to give it up and admit that evolution never taught that we came from rocks, since one, no textbook or science lesson ever said that, and two, solid crystalline minerals are not even a part of some organisms, including some of the earliest or most primitive ones. 
Anyone listening to that grifter from now on should know that the next time he tells any of these lies, and he will because he can't stop, know that he already knows that he's always been wrong about all these things, but he's dishonest and doesn't have the integrity to own up to that because his whole con, cult, and compound depends on these lies, including his life's work of videos and seminars and everything that feeds his narcissistic need to feel important. All lies. Still, he has been proven wrong about all this clearly enough that it doesn't matter if he refuses to admit it. We already know why he can't even go there. Not to that part of my video. So instead, he kept it personal. He started this by misspelling my first name and calling me by my old surname, Mr. Nelson, just to show his childish disrespect. So I followed suit by referring to him by his old prison name, inmate number 0645-2017. Rather than correct himself, because he will not correct himself, he decided that my name should be Larry. And all he knew was that years ago, my first initial used to be the letter L. So he guessed the wrong name and calls me that just to show everyone how petty and immature a senior citizen can be. He uses his natural lack of charisma as a strategic advantage, much like a skunk does, or the way a tarantula flicks its abdominal hairs into the eyes of its enemies. It's a minor irritant used as an offensive maneuver by those who are incapable of intellectual argument. His last two posts were no more than an attempt to obfuscate and distract, to delay any address of the actual science I challenged him on, and to bury this debate in irrelevant tedium so that his dim-witted minions will never figure out how badly he lost. Lacking any reasonable or rational defense for his position, all he can do is playground-level taunting, trying to make fun of whatever he can, acting the way you would think only a child would act. And think back to when you were in grade school and listen for the voice of a petulant prepubescent still speaking from inside this 65-year-old man who never grew up and who doesn't learn. Larry, you are not a sun god. I know you like the name Aaron Ra, the sun god. You're not god. Try walking on water. I hate to break it to you, but you're not god. Okay, so I'm going to call you Larry, and you in your series call me inmate number or whatever it is, and I'm no longer an inmate. I was an inmate unjustly. If I go uh, Google Kent Hovind is innocent. Dot com and watch the videos. Tell me what law I broke. Half the Bible's written from prison. Many people have been imprisoned for, for not doing anything wrong. I mean, that's the history of the world. Look at the Nazis or the communists or South Africa. The list is long. Anyway, that's a different story. I don't care. Call me what you want. My name was never Lawrence or Larry or anything remotely like that. I don't even know of any relation by that name. It's not surprising that you make things up to make believe and then assert that as fact without any evidence to support it. As dishonest as all that is, that is how your religion began and that's how your ministry operates. Of course, that's also why you're always wrong about everything. You should never state anything to be a fact unless you can show that it is a fact, because otherwise that would be lying, which is about all you ever do. Now, back in the days of Usenet some 20 years ago, I needed a login for Talk.Origins. I chose the name Aaron Ra as a nod to Amen Ra, whom I see as a template of the god of Western monotheism. Your god, Yahweh, was originally a volcano god, which is how he is usually described in the Pentateuch. Amen was originally an air god who was later combined with Ra, the sun god, following a growing trend of composite gods. Now some of what I read back then about the origins of your god and of the Egyptian gods seemed that they were both based on the same character, and both reportedly even had the same wife, whether that was Asherah or Atherat. And then the wife was apparently written out of both mythos, and the gods became full elementals. In Amen's case, 
he became the air itself, which at that time was believed to be spirit. All our notions about having an immortal supernatural spirit inside us is literally nothing but hot air. We got that idea from the fact that our ancient forefathers didn't know that air was particulate matter, but they knew you would die if you couldn't breathe. And when you breathed your last, they called that giving up the ghost. And different translations of the Bible use the word breath and spirit interchangeably because they are exactly the same thing. And eventually, Yahweh and Amen seem to have both become the same God, such that Yahweh is now seen as a volcano and the sun, as well as whirlwinds and clouds and so forth all at once. So I chose the last name Ra to raise awareness of how we created your God. Ironically, I chose my handle, like everyone else did, to preserve my anonymity online. I didn't expect that my posts under that name would become so well-known and that eventually that's how everyone knows me now. And at some point, it made sense to have it legally changed. Now, you said you would call me by my legal name if I showed you documentation, but you've already seen sufficient documentation. And besides, if you ever met John Wayne, if you had ever met John Wayne, would you have insisted on calling him Marion Morrison unless he showed you documentation otherwise? If I meet some random Joe on the street and he says, Hi, my name is Joe, I'm going to call him Joe. I wouldn't demand an ID to prove that his name is and always was Joe. Even if he spells it like a girl, I'm still going to call him Joe. And if he's named after a god or a prophet like Jesus or Krishna or Muhammad, I'm going to call him whatever he says his name is. I wouldn't be so rude as to make up some other name to call him. So, since my name was never Larry, but you call me that anyway, just out of disrespect, and your name was never Joe, then since I don't respect you either because you're a lying, abusive, criminally negligent fraud, then should I call you Joe from now on? Because it's a lot easier to call you Joe than to refer to you as inmate number 0645-2017. Or you could eat, drink, and be Mary Hovind. I hear no one wants to use that name anymore. Or better yet, I think I should just spell your first name with the letter U. That, I think, would be more appropriate. Even though it's not politically correct, in this particular instance, I don't really care. And since you don't like political correctness, I'm sure you'll appreciate that. You said I could call you what you want, and I associate with so many Australians and Europeans that that seems the best name to use for you. Or, you know, you could grow the fuck up. I'll leave that choice up to you, cunt. As for your bogus claim of innocence, you use the excuse that you shouldn't have been convicted of structuring because you say that it requires a pattern of multiple deposits of less than $10,000 individually, but that collectively amount to more than $10,000 within a single day. But the actual pattern under the law isn't limited to a single day. The pattern shows that you had often arranged weekly deposits of over $9,000 each to deliberately avoid reporting taxable income of multiple tens of thousands of dollars in a typical month. I've seen the evidence showing how you were aware of the crime you were committing and that you did this with deliberate intent of defrauding the government through tax evasion. Now, I noticed that the two videos that you did that you mistakenly titled Round 3 covered my Round 2 Part 1, but only the very beginning of that. And while you say now that I told you and I told everybody I won't leave out a single word. But you did. You skipped the rest of my round two, part one, so that your minions wouldn't see the attorney, Nate Brody, explaining how we know that you know you were rightfully convicted on three different types of tax fraud. And even though you recently said, I listened to one of his uh, responses to mine, number seven, it's the only one I've seen, uh, two nights ago. That's a lie too. 
because you had already posted this comment on my first video a month earlier where you complained about me having the lawyer on. Is that why your review of my part one stopped where it did? Did you think we wouldn't notice that your round two starts with part two, completely skipping the rest of my part one? I think so. Because if you showed that, then your minions would know how we know that you know exactly which laws you intentionally broke. You were found guilty on all counts of a 58-count indictment, and every single one of those counts was upheld by the appellate court, too. So you're guilty. Even if you got a presidential pardon and got around the Supreme Court's implication of admission of a guilt in accepting such a pardon, it would not make you innocent of what you actually knowingly did. A pardon is only supposed to keep you out of jail, but you've already done the time. Nothing can undo that. Nothing is going to make you 10 years younger or not quite so dumb. And no one is fool enough to believe that you were innocent of those charges. You pretended then not to know what you were being convicted of, though of course that had been explained to you many times, and you're still in denial of that now. Is that, I don't really remember, is that when you told the court that you were outside of American federal jurisdiction because you were a citizen of the Republic of Florida? as if Florida was a different country? You're very good at living in delusion to deny reality, which is how you maintain your ministry. So I know you cannot honestly concede defeat or correction on any point. And it's not just me saying that either. Your own family and friends, those who know you best, describe you as an arrogant narcissist, which isn't just someone who's proud of themselves. We're talking about a mental condition which explains your lack of empathy and your inability to accept criticism. So it's no surprise that even your best supporters say you do not respond to correction and will not listen to it even for a few seconds. That's what narcissism looks like. And that may be why you have to pause in the middle of so many of my sentences to interject whatever distraction you can think of. And that's why you bought an unaccredited PhD instead of earning a real one. And you put Dr. Kent Hovind on all your books and DVDs and other merchandise as well as nearly all of your videos, your website, your email address, Twitter handle, everything, while pretending to be an actual high school science teacher too because you know the scam you're running now needs an illusion of academic authority that you could never achieve in real life, so you compensate with a fake degree. That's what makes you a charlatan. So I guess I'm curious, Larry, how on earth can anything be right or wrong? How can you, why would you care what I teach? I'm not influencing you in any way. Uh, you don't pay my salary, I don't pay your salary. Why does this issue bother you? I am atheist because I believe in truth. The truth is what the facts are, what we can show to be true, not whatever unsupported assumptions we make up to make believe. We should never state anything as fact that isn't evidently true, and we shouldn't pretend to know what no one even can know, like religious people commonly do, because that's lying too. Faith is the most dishonest position it is possible to have, and any belief that requires faith should be rejected for that reason alone. My motivation is to improve understanding, my own as well as others. So I put lies and violence in the same category. Both cause harm to innocent people and are inexcusable except in desperate instances of self-defense and maybe not even then. So when I see people being lied to, especially when you're deceiving unsuspecting children or susceptible little old ladies, I am outraged on their behalf and I'm compelled to their defense the same way I would be if I'd seen them being beaten. And while it is true that everything you profess to believe is demonstrably false and there is no God, nor could there be, that's obviously not where our sense of right and wrong comes from. 
No matter what fantasy you prefer to pretend, people need to depend on a mutually supportive society. And if you're going to get along in any community, you can't piss everybody off by treating anyone unfairly in the eyes or judgment of your peers. If you do, you'll be banished, abandoned, executed, or imprisoned, as you already have been at least once so far. Because the laws were always written and enforced by men, not gods. So over many thousands of years, we've had a strong selective pressure to encourage an innate sense of compassion for our family, friends, and fellows. This doesn't just improve the individual, it gives value to the society as a whole, where religion is and always was a net negative against all human endeavors, impeding, retarding, or reversing progress in every application it has ever touched. An action or choice that promotes happiness, well-being, or health, or that minimizes unnecessary harm or suffering would still be good regardless whether there's a God or not, and your God doesn't do much of the good stuff, though he does get a lot of credit for things he didn't do. An action or choice that diminishes happiness, well-being, or health, or that causes unnecessary harm or suffering is still evil even when your God contones or commands it over and over again. The Bible and other ironically holy books are full of the dictatorial dictates of despotic deities. Yours is not a loving or a righteous God. According to the sacred fables, he's an insecure and virtually incompetent tyrannical dick, dominated by selfish cruelty to such an unjust extreme that we are told by mere fallible men who have no idea what they're talking about that your God judges people unfairly, not according to their actions so much as their beliefs. And how could anyone justify that? Of course, we're told that by people like you, who make their money extorting believers so that if they don't believe you and pay you homage while paying your bills and doing your bidding, they'll have to face the threat of a fate worse than death, dealt by your magic imaginary friend who fortunately doesn't really exist. If he did, then he wouldn't allow someone like you to speak for him, and he wouldn't demand that we believe impossible absurdities for no good reason, nor to defend the faith against all reason, so we wouldn't have apologetics either. Only lies and liars desire or require our faith. So that's what you are all about. <laughs>